Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, it's so wonderful having you with us today as we're finishing our series called The Gift, where we've been focusing on Jesus as the gift that the world has received. When God decided to give humanity something, He decided to give Himself. And we've been looking at the significance of this gift by looking at the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus in the story of his birth. Maybe you don't know the story. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, not too far from Jerusalem, where the temple of God was. And he was born under the reign of King Herod in those days. It was about 2,000 years ago. And at his birth, there were wise men bringing him three different gifts. Frank incense, myrrh, and gold. The Bible describes them coming into Jesus, seeing him there with his mother, and then they bowed down and they brought him these gifts. And we've been looking at these gifts over the past two weeks, and today we're going to be ending off with quite an unusual Christmas sermon, but I'm hoping you're ready with me because we've been looking at some unusual gifts as well. And the gift, the last gift we're going to be looking at today is gold. Now, whenever you think about gold, you would think this is a gift for a king. And that's exactly what this gift points to. It points us to Jesus as being the king of kings. And how significant this is that the king of kings came in the way that he came. But before I'm going to dive into some of the unusual things that this king came with, I want us to play a little bit of a king game. So we call this Name That King. And I want to invite you, all the kids around at home, wherever you are, to try and guess with me which king is this. When you think about Simba, the lion, you think about the Lion King. When I show you a picture of a gorilla, a big gorilla, you think about King Kong. When you see a Whopper burger, you must be thinking about Burger King. And then obviously just one for the dads. When you think about the news interviewer on CNN that has been there almost since the beginning of CNN, you think about Larry King. Live and then for the few artists there around, when you think about the blues, we think about Yes, say it, B.B. King. And then lastly, when we think about Jesus, we think about the King of Kings. I love the way Timothy places and puts it in 1 Timothy 6 verse 15 when he writes the following about Jesus. He's saying, for, just, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the king of kings. He's a king like no other king. He's probably one of the most long-awaited kings, yet one of the most unexpected and unusual kings to ever walk the earth. Yes, Jesus was unusual in many ways. And I want us to just for a moment focus on on how unusual Jesus was as king. You see, the Jews expected a king, and they've been expecting a king for quite some time now. 
but they could have never expected their king to be born in the way he was born. They expected this king to be born in a palace, to be surrounded by wealth and luxury and comfort. I mean, his crib would have been um, sewed with little, sewed with little purple lining in it, and he would have like Gucci onesies on and look and fly and, and, and dripping with all the, all the wealth and his, and his bling and, and whatever it would have been. That would have what they have been expecting Jesus to come as and to come like. This rich royal king, born in luxury and wealth, yet they could have never expected this, that this king would be born in poverty, in a cave, with farm animals, stinking. By a teenage mother, out of wedlock. They could have never expected that their king, the Savior, the Messiah, would have come out of Nazareth. Nathaniel himself says, what good can come out of Nazareth? And let alone that, that he would be the son of a carpenter, Joseph. No one could have ever predicted that the Son of God, the King of glory, would befriend prostitutes, touch lepers, love those that religion has rejected. Never could anyone in their wildest dreams ever imagined that this king would go and choose the uneducated fishermen, the despised tax collectors, the rebellious zealots, troublemakers to become his disciples and entrust them with the mission that would change the world as we know it today. Nobody would have expected that this king, the king of kings, especially the Jews, that the king of the Jews would come down and forgive a prostitute, show grace to a woman from the street, while at the same time he confronts the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and he turns over the tables in the temple because of those abusing God's temple for own profit and gain. No one would have expected the Jewish king to come and do this. Never could anyone have imagined that the king of the Jews would ride into Jerusalem. His triumphant ride would be on the back of a donkey. And those, the crowds cheering him on, would be the outcasts, the immoral guys, the rejected ones. People looked down on, those marginalized. No one would have ever expected the king to come in this way. How unusual. No one would have expected a king to stand trial for crimes that he never committed. And then that this king would go on, this innocent king, would go on to be beaten, to be bruised, to be whipped, to be stripped naked, to be hung on a cross like a criminal and a slave. Nobody could have ever seen this coming. And while he's being Bruted and rejected by his own people, his own creation. No one could have ever dreamed how the innocent king, who's brutally nailed to a cross, would pray, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. This king, this innocent king standing in. In fact, everybody would expect a king to rule and reign, not to come to die. No. No one could have believed how royalty 
would be buried in a borrowed tomb. And no one would have believed what they would see three days later when that stone was rolled away and they found an empty tomb because Jesus is risen. He's the king, he's alive, and he's sitting on the throne. What an unusual king. What an upside down king. How do we respond to a king like this, this morning? And I'd like to quickly take a stroll with you to look at how people responded to the coming of this king, King Jesus, about 2,000 years ago. Because quite interestingly enough, the way people responded to him in those days, people are still responding to him in exactly the same way. How do we respond to Jesus as the King of Kings? Well, the first character that I want to point your attention to that we see in the Bible that responds to the coming of a brand new king is King Herod himself. Now, King Herod was, was at that stage kind of a little puppet king um, over Israel, put in place by the Roman emperor. And when he discovered that there is a new king, the promised king, the king of Israel, the king of the Jews, the king of kings, is here. You know what Herod did? Well, he responded with opposition. He was opposed to Jesus. He was threatened by Jesus. Jesus might come into his little kingdom that he has now and threaten to take away his rule and reign. So he sought out a few guys to help him find out where Jesus was. And if you know the story, you know that God intervened. And then if that didn't work, he went on to murder every kid in Jerusalem under the age of two to try and prevent the king of kings to enter into his little kingdom. The first way people respond to Jesus as king is to oppose his rule and his reign. Are you there today? Is this going to be the response that you and I give? The second people group that responded to Jesus as king is so significant. And when I name them, you'll be surprised because we didn't see them anywhere on the scene. And that would be the priests, the high priests, the guys in the temple, the religious leaders of their time. And the reason why we don't hear anything about them is because they decided to respond to the coming of the king by despising him, by dismissing him, saying he's not even worth attending. Here we have the religious leaders, the guys protecting scripture, the guys preaching the truth, the guys waiting for the Messiah to come. And at the moment of his birth, the moment he arrives on the planet, where are they? Well, they're a few kilometers away in the temple, but they're not at the feet of the king of kings. They dismiss him. And it's so easy for us today to do this. You know, I, uh, I'm going to say a brave thing today, but it's, it's so true. I've been one of those guys as well, that you kind of fall into the slot where you become a CEO Christian. 
I don't know if you've ever heard about the CEO Christians. The other day I heard about it on, on a, um, a nice sitcom video that I was looking at an episode. They talked about a guy proudly saying we are CEO Christians and it stood for we are Christmas and Easter only Christians. Kind of dismissing the importance of this king. Jesus is like, he's there and his mission is wonderful and he has an amazing Bible. I have it available. It's not really something that I grab onto, I hold onto. I'm not going on the life-changing mission that he's sending me on as one of his disciples. I have his word available, but I'm not spending time in it. I dismiss his authority and him as king. Are you there today? Are you a priest? Jesus is nice to you. He's just another nice teacher. Can I just say this? Jesus is not nice. He is Lord. He is King of Kings. And I believe the third group of people responded correctly to who Jesus is. And he revealed himself to be. You see, there were three, there were a group of men who brought three gifts. The wise men. And they came before Jesus and the Bible tells us that when they saw Jesus with his mother. Now just to put some perspective onto this. Jesus by now probably were about one or two years old. He was running around. He was a little toddler in the house. He was not necessarily that little baby boy. And we know this by the fact that Herod aimed to kill kids to about two years of age. So it must have been around that age group. This gives new perspective to when three guys, walks, probably three guys, maybe more, we don't really know, walks into the room and they see Jesus and they fall to the ground, bowing before a toddler. Now, just to let you know, I'm a dad of two and I do have two toddlers at home and I don't think it's good to bow before toddlers. <laughs> they already think they're king of the world in some other way, but for these men to bow down to toddlers running around, messing up the house, makes probably one of the most profound statements, a step of faith, to acknowledge that Jesus, the one that came now, came in the most unusual way thinkable to man, is truly the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. This, I believe, is the appropriate way to respond to Jesus as King, to bow down, to surrender yourself to His Lordship and to His glory, to His authority, to His will, to His way for your life. I'd like to end our time off together by describing to you my King. Because not only is Jesus the King of Kings, I've also accepted Him like these wise men, to be my king. And I'd like to start off by reading some of the words of Dr. S.M. Lockridge, who preached probably one of the most famous sermons nowadays on the internet, titled, That's My King. And he starts it off like this. He says, The Bible says, My king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of the ages. 
He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah. Today I want to ask you, do you want to make him your king? Do you want to invite Jesus into your life and let him become the final authority? Every knee will bow before him, willingly or unwillingly. Why not today bow before him and accept him into your life? And serve him and him only. Let's pray. Father. On Christmas day. We celebrate. You coming so close. So vulnerable. So killable. So opening up to all of us. And today we want to celebrate it in the proper way. 
by bowing down to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Father, where there are people today, and if that's you and you're opening up your heart to Jesus, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Father, and I come before you today. Jesus, and I bow down and I confess and believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you truly are the Lord of Lords. I accept that your blood is the only thing that can save me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.